This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm an emergency critical care veterinary specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about all things poisonous because you know what? National Poison Prevention Week is coming up. It's in a few days. And while this is a week that's designed and originally started in human medicine to keep your two-legged safe, we in the veterinary world care about your four-legged. So I'm really excited to bring Dr. Tina Weismar. We'll be right back after these messages. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee. If your dog likes to chew, you don't want them chewing your furniture or your shoes. So give them Natural Farm all-natural dog chews and bones. Made from sustainably sourced ingredients that are free from artificial colorings, preservatives, and chemicals. Check out their gully sticks, bully sticks, and collagen sticks in flavors like bully stick, peanut butter, and chicken. And they're stuffed collagen and stuffed bones. Big dogs or little dogs, you can choose your choose. Go to naturalfarmpet.com and save 15% off with code ERVET15. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Tina Weismer, who's the medical director of the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center, which is based out of Champaign, Illinois. Dr. Weismer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. All right. Just so our audience knows who you are and what you do, do you mind giving us a little bit of background about where you train, what you do, and what exactly is the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center? Sure. So I am a veterinarian, I'm a Purdue graduate, and started my career in regular daytime medicine, moved to emergency practice, and ended up at the um, ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center, and was able to become boarded in toxicology. So we take phone calls from veterinarians and pet owners that are concerned about their pets being potentially poisoned. I used to get this question all the time when I used to head up a animal poison control center. Why is there a fee associated with animal poison control centers? Sure. We don't receive any state or federal funding, unlike the human side. Uh, so to make sure that we're staffed with veterinary professionals, veterinarians, and veterinary toxicologists, we do need to charge a fee. I just wanted to reiterate, it is so important to keep your pet safe. So we'll talk about how to keep your pet safe. But more importantly, I always tell people the first thing you want to do is pre-program your cell phone with your veterinarian, your emergency veterinarian, and the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center. So you always have that information readily available. When your dog is actually poisoned or your cat is poisoned, you get really stressed out and you can't find that information. So again, make sure to pre-program your cell phone with 
4435. And again, that's the ASPCA Animal Poison Control. Now, again, there is often a fee, but the main fee is to make sure we can provide board-certified veterinary toxicologists and experts 24-7. And more importantly, it may actually save you an expensive veterinary visit. In fact, if your dog got into chocolate or something non-toxic, once you speak with the experts at the ASPCA, you may avoid a costly ER visit to begin with. So again, really important that you pre-program your cell phone. I'm also really neurotic and pre-program my GPS or my Google map so I can get there in a rush if needed. All right. So Dr. Weissmart, I know you guys just released the top 10 poisons of 2022. And I wanted to get more information on this. Do you mind just filling us in on what the top poisons are and are they different between dogs and cats? So our top category here are over-the-counter medications. And this is one that dogs are really um, getting into trouble with, right? They eat your ibuprofen, they eat your uh, Tylenol, but we have a lot of herbal medications um, that people are on and dogs are poisoning themselves that way. If you could give one clue right now of how to pet proof for dogs and cats, what would it be? Certainly keep these products in locked cabinets, you know, out of the way of pets. When you take your medications, take them in a room away from your pets. So if you drop that pill, your pets aren't going to eat them. I will also say if you have family members who are visiting and they put all their vitamins and medications in a plastic Ziploc bag and throw it in their suitcase, well, that stuff smells weird. Like, first of all, make sure that that family member visiting closes their guest room door and that they also pet proof. So again, really important. All right. So that's number one. When it comes to over-the-counter medications, what's the next poison we're going to talk about? It is food. And in this, we can consider it human food. And this is, once again, definitely dogs. And in this category, it is mostly about xylitol and grapes and raisins. What do these poisons actually cause? What signs do they show? And where do we actually find xylitol? So xylitol is mostly in sugar-free type products. Uh, Sugar-free gum is really common. But we can find it in mints and also other places It wouldn't be in this category, things like toothpaste and mouthwash. And xylitol in dogs causes low blood sugar. So you could potentially see tremors and seizures and it can affect the liver. So if your dog eats gum, you want to make sure to keep it out of reach. And I will say I have gum in my house, but when I see poisonings, at least in the veterinary ER, it's oftentimes people just throwing a pack of gum on the counter or they have their gum in their purse or their backpack. And, you know, lo and behold, they didn't elevate that backpack or, you know, hang it up. And their dog's nose is so, so strong. They're going to hunt that out. And again, one or two pieces may be poisonous depending on how much xylitol is in there. I always say if xylitol is listed in the first five ingredients that's listed on that pack of gum or on that container, that poses a serious poisoning danger. And I'll also say when I first bought toothpaste for my toddler, I was shocked and kind of annoyed It didn't even say sugar-free on the toothpaste, but the number one ingredient in it was xylitol. So even though it doesn't necessarily say sugar-free on a product, you always want to check to see if it's got that XY ingredient in it. So xylitol. All right. You also mentioned grapes and raisins. Now, in full disclosure, I used to pill my childhood dog a green grape every single day to get his medication in for 
you know, 13 years of his life. And he never had an issue with it. And for 20 plus years, the poisoning agent in grapes and raisins, or what we call vitis species, has evaded us. And from my understanding, the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center just discovered what the cause of grapes and raisin poisoning in dogs is. Do you mind just elaborating and telling us more about how this was discovered and how you guys figured it out? The toxin is tartaric acid. So tartaric acid is actually a byproduct of um, winemaking. You may use it in your house as cream of tartar. And what happens is it's in a high amount in grapes, raisins, and tamarind fruits, about 100 to 1,000 times more than is found in other fruits like raspberries or cherries or strawberries. And dogs are special in that they don't excrete tartaric acid very quickly, unlike other species of animals. So it builds up in their kidneys and it actually destroys some of the kidney cells and causes kidney failure. About cream of tartar and how that is also somewhat related. So how we determined that this was a problem is we had some dogs get into some homemade Play-Doh that was made with cream of tartar. And unfortunately, these dogs did pass from kidney failure. And on autopsy, the lesions in the kidneys were exactly the same as what we see with grapes and raisins. We then looked at what's the source of cream of tartar. Oh, look, it's from grapes and raisins. Um, so that led us to a literature search and uh, down the path of, oh, look, this appears to be the toxic component in grapes and raisins. Crazy. I bake, I make uh, meringue pies, but it's very, very rare than making key lime pie. And so the first time I ever made it, I did have to go out and buy cream of tartar. And then once you have a kid, it's so interesting because you use cream of tartar to make homemade Play-Doh. And I can't help hypothesizing during COVID when life was crazy, all these parents who were working from home quote unquote, had to entertain their kids. And so they were making things like cream of tartar Play-Doh. So it's so interesting, the lessons that we learned from COVID. All right, hit me with the next poison. So the next group are human medications. So these are prescription drugs. So these are things like your heart medications, your antidepressants, and things like um, Parkinson's medications. What clinical signs do they cause? Are they life-threatening? Do I have to worry about it? Or which ones can I potentially blow off? What should we know? Sure. So when we think about medications that affect the heart, right? Things that are going to lower your blood pressure will also lower your pet's blood pressure. And that certainly can be deadly or dangerous. Antidepressants at low doses makes dogs kind of quiet and sleepy. But at higher doses, it actually causes them to become quite agitated, high heart rates, tremors, and potentially seizures. So if your animal is acting out of the normal, it's time to give your veterinarian a call. What about some next toxins? So our next group is chocolate, right? Chocolate's a little special. It is the only toxin that has one subject in it, and it is mostly dogs. And as we know, dogs don't think one brownie is a serving. They think it's the entire pan of brownies. So they can certainly get themselves into trouble. Now, cats will also eat chocolate, right? They don't have sweet taste buds, so they don't eat a lot of it. So rarely do we see anything more than stomach upset with cats. But dogs will eat enough to cause vomiting, diarrhea, high heart rates, tremors, and potentially seizures. 
when it comes to chocolate, if a dog just eats like one chocolate chip cookie, is that a big deal? What should I do? It is not. You should feel sad because you didn't get to eat the cookie. But one chocolate chip cookie is not a problem. If they eat the whole batch, yes. To me about like white chocolate versus different types of chocolate. Now, I personally don't like white chocolate. So if you're going to send me any gifts in the ER, please don't get me white chocolate. It barely has any theobromine or the chemical or the toxicant that's in chocolate. I love dark, bitter chocolate. Tell me about the difference. So the darker the chocolate, the worse it is. You are right. White chocolate, it's not really chocolate. It's cocoa butter and sugar. I think it still tastes good, but the darker you get, the more of these compounds that are in it and the less amount it takes to be problematic. You know, it is really, really interesting that dogs will gorge themselves so much on chocolate. And I always say it was my favorite time of the year to work during the holidays because every single holiday, at least in the United States and North America, is associated with chocolate. We're talking Valentine's Day, Easter, Halloween, Christmas time. You know, we always have chocolate around our holidays. And it was the one time as a veterinary ER specialist that I loved inducing vomiting in dogs because the chocolate smelled so good. Now, how does an owner know when to induce vomiting at home versus at the ER vet? We certainly want to talk to your veterinarian or to a poison control professional before we induce vomiting for anything. There's certain things we don't want to induce vomiting with right? Think about cleaning products. If it can burn going down, it's going to burn coming back up and that's a risk. We also want to know about the health of your animal. And if we're going to induce vomiting at home, you know, make sure we're giving an appropriate dose to induce. Please don't induce vomiting in your dog without talking to the ASPCA. And for you cat owners out there, please know there is no safe home product you can give at home to induce vomiting at home. Now you will see on some websites. It is erroneous, but they will list. You can give hydrogen peroxide. Please don't do that in a cat. I've had a handful of cats die from getting the hydrogen peroxide. So unfortunately, there's nothing you can do if your cat ate something poisonous at home. You just have to get into the veterinary clinic and that's really, really important. We're going to take a short commercial break and we'll continue with this really important topic about how to keep both your dog and cat safe with Dr. Tina Weismart right after these messages. How many of you have pets? My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life, and that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for dogs and cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun, stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select pet co-locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet 
ER vet on Pet Life Radio. We've been talking with Dr. Tina Weismer, who's a board-certified veterinary toxicologist in Champaign-Urbana at the ASVCA Animal Poison Control Center. And we've been talking about the top 10 poisons that both dogs and cats get into. Things from over-the-counter medications to common household food things like xylitol, a sugar substitute, to chocolate, to things like grapes and raisins, to prescription medications. Dr. Weismer, what are the remaining poisons that dogs and cats get into? Our next group, number five, are plants. And this is one where the cats, unfortunately, are way outnumber the dogs. And most of these are lilies. And when we think about true lilies, right, lilium or hemorrhocallus, we are concerned in cats that even a small bite, even the pollen can cause kidney failure. I will say I hate lilies and Easter's coming up in a couple of weeks. And one of the things that like drives me nuts as an ER clinician is when I see people bringing home those beautiful Easter lilies when they come home from church. These are so deadly to cats. Now, they're not toxic to dogs, but as little as two to three leaves, even the water in the vase, even if your cat walks by and gets pollen off an Easter lily on their fur and licks it off, that can result in kidney failure. And it's super frustrating because it can be really expensive. There was one point where we had six cats from one household all in the ER vet. And some ERs, they're $1,000 a night. And oftentimes we'll have cats in the hospital for two days when we treat them for lily poisoning. And they didn't know which cat ate it. So again, when in doubt, you do not want to bring any poisonous plants or any plants into the household unless you are 100% positive that they're not poisonous. Now, Dr. Weissmer probably is too humble to say, but she's also a master gardener. So if you're not sure, maybe someone just sent you a beautiful bouquet and you're, you find your cat munching on it or you see some bite wounds in it, you still want to call the ASPCA because she or many of their toxicologists can identify those plants in the bouquet just to make sure your cat's going to be safe. All right, what's the next poison? Household toxins are next. These are the cleaners, especially wipes. They became very common during COVID and people are still using them today. Dogs, cats are, you know, chewing on these afterwards. Fortunately, it's just mild stomach upset. I bet the ASPCA saw a big spike during COVID. So you're talking about like disinfectants and hand sanitizers and things that we clean in the house. Um, in general, you said it's mild, but what are some of the signs we should look for? So we're going to watch for drooling, vomiting, and some of these, if especially if they're concentrated, can cause burns in the mouth and in the stomach. What are some of the next poisons we should worry about? The next group are veterinary products. So these are both prescription medications. And to get animals to take pills, what do we do? We flavor them. So that means that not only do they like to take them, they will ingest the entire bottle. And we also have a lot of animals that get into their own uh, like calming chews, right? The over-the-counter stuff. And if you eat enough of those, we do worry, especially with the soft chews, that it can cause problems. Some of these chews that you're talking about, uh, they often are joint supplements that contain things like glucosamine. And 
I just want to say, first of all, when it comes to glucosamine and some of these chondroitin chews, please be aware that if your dog has osteoarthritis or they're limping or they're painful, please know they're not pain medications. These are cartilage protecting supplements and I love them. But the important mistake that I see as a veterinarian is people usually start these when their dogs are older and slowing down. These are designed for you to give if your dog has a history or is a breed that may be predisposed to things like hip dysplasia. Because in older dogs, what happens is the cartilage is already worn down from osteoarthritis. And again, a lot of these supplements are cartilage protectors. So you actually really want to start them when they're two or three years of age. Now, if a dog eats a huge amount, again, we can see poisonings with that. So they're definitely benign. They're generally very safe. But when a dog gets into a large amount, that can actually result in some liver problems. All right, bring it home with the last few poisons that dogs and cats get into. Sure. Eight is rodenticides. And nine is insecticides. So we definitely want to keep these products away from our pets. Unfortunately, they can be poisoned with both of those. So often hear veterinary professionals call it rodenticides. Now, if you've studied Latin, you know the word rodent is rodenticide, so mouse or rat. And side or I-C-I-D-E usually means something that's going to kill. So these are mouse and rat poisons that kill small, little, cute little rodents. Now, I will say I'm biased. I am not a fan of using mouse or rat poisons because they contaminate the environment. And to me, it's just as inhumane for a poor little mouse to die from some of these products. So I'm an advocate for adopting more cats. But I understand a lot of pet owners have these mouse and rat poisons in their house, in their garage, or they move into a new apartment and their dog got into it. Now, I know there's a couple of different types of mouse and rat poisons out there. What are some of the clinical signs that we see if a dog or a cat got into a rodenticide or a mouse and rat poison? Sure. There are three main types of rat poisons out there. One causes internal bleeding, right? So you don't typically see a whole lot in those animals, except about a week after they get into them, they start to become lethargic, right? They slow down, maybe they don't want to eat, or potentially they're going to have some difficulty breathing if they're bleeding into their chest. The second kind is bromethalin, which is a neurologic rodenticide. So this one causes animals to tremor, seizure, become weak in the hind legs. And then the third kind is cholecalciferol or vitamin D. So this causes an elevation of calcium in the body and then kidney failure. All right. And what are the last few toxins we need to be aware of? Number 10 this year is, well, we used to call them illicit drugs, but now we call them recreational drugs, right? It is things like marijuana, especially edibles. And we've actually had a pretty large increase in psilocybin mushroom containing compounds also. Whatever you want to call them, illicit, recreational, when it comes to these kind of drugs, so we're talking about things like marijuana, cocaine, anything that's, you know, a street drug, we definitely want to make sure to keep these out of reach. This can result in serious problems to dogs and cats. And I've seen them in cats too. What are some of the clinical signs we can see when dogs and cats get into illicit drugs? So if it's marijuana, we have the dogs becoming lethargic. They also become what we call hypermetric, right? They overreact to stimuli, like you reach for them and they jump back. And dogs also dribble urine. So if we see a lethargic, wobbly, dribbling urine animal, we think marijuana. With other recreational drugs, like our magic mushrooms or psilocybin mushrooms, 
these animals will appear to hallucinate and they can have tremors and potentially seizures. I know that was a lot of information, but again, the top 10 poisons that dogs and cats get into compiled by the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center. Now, Dr. Weitzmar, do you mind just leaving us with a couple more hints when it comes to how to pet-proof your house and what to do if you immediately find out that your dog or cat was poisoned? So probably the most dangerous place in the house is grandma's purse. As you said, right? There's sugar-free gum in there. There's her heart medications. There's over-the-counter medications. So you have to house train your visitors, right, to make sure they don't leave their purse or their backpack or their suitcase on the floor or your pets can get into it. And again, do you mind just leaving some information about the ASPCA and who to call? And should I call my vet first, my emergency vet first? And do you mind providing the number to ASPCA and the website? So depending upon what time this happens, you can call your veterinarian or your ER vet, or you can give us a call. We're there 24 hours a day at 888-426-4435. And if you'd like a little more information on pet proofing or specific toxins, you can go to our website at ASPCA.org. Thank you so much, Dr. Weissmer, and appreciate all that you do. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook or Instagram at drjustinelee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we would like to thank Dr. Tina Weissmer, and Mark Winter, our producer, for making the show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.